Or sorry, no, so it's Indiana. Well, either way, it's... It's, it's near there. Midwest. Midwest Hellhole. It's not even... This is, that's what confuses about the Midwest, though. It's No, I'm just kidding. It's Midwest not actually... Midwest is Midwest fun. is not in the middle, nor is it the most westerly midpoint. But it was not named the Midwest when the whole entire country was formed. So when they say it Cowboys of the... That, it was named that back in the days where Ohio was the West. So when they say no. Cowboys and Westerns, they mean Cowboys in Ohio. No. And like... I don't mean that. See, that's what I get confused by, because, like, Western stuff's in, like, Nevada, Texas, like, the actual Midwest, where I would put my head into Midwest. because that that was the West before. Right. Because the Midwest was Ohio, because the the Western frontier was, like, Texas. Right, I see. California and all those other ones are still really new. Same same with, you know, same with BC and all that, right? Uh, no, we just say the West, and that means BC. (laughs) Because <laughs> no, we're logical saying, metric using no, people. No, I'm saying I'm saying it's 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 new. It's new, right? Like yeah, the, like the, like we we West. joined really weirdly. We were <laughs> this is a very exactly. You, you forced everyone else to make us join. Pretty much, yeah. come to us. You're, you're like, you're come like, to us. You have to you have to tell us what to do. You either have to settle your way out here or take a boat, motherfuckers. <laughs> come over here. Um, are we recording? Yeah, we've been recording for like ten minutes. Wonderful. And I'm Alden. And we're both teachers at a Canadian school in China. And we're searching for answers. But poorly! So that makes us real human beings. This is our podcast where we talk about random stuff like uh, movies, TV shows, music. Life in China, teaching, politics, sports, pretty much whatever we're interested in. Uh, so what's on the schedule today? Um, I don't know if that picked up. Um, I got a big butt! Well, today we're talking about what a big butt Alden has. And then, Gary Gygax. You're right as always. Welcome everybody to the show. This is our 22nd episode. Um, Why do you always start off so officially? It's so funny. It is the 22nd episode, isn't it? It is the 22nd episode. You're Old right. enough to drink. That's the joke we used last time. It's the joke we're going to use again. Did we say that last yeah, we time? Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. uh, Julie did, I think. You're, you're, uh... I'm on point today, dude. Or if not, that's a new joke for you right there, folks. Recharge. Uh, remember to like or subscribe to our various feeds. That's that, it. That's, that's all it. we have for that's today. That's it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> No, so you put it at the beginning, and then we just, that's it, that's our bit. Uh, paid sponsor um, by, what are you, uh, this isn't anything, this isn't any, any, anything that we've ever done no. before. We're in just a new bit. 22, turn over a new leaf, that's what they always say, you know, you got sweet 16, 22 to leaf, is this old saying. You know, it is funny that you brought up, like, sweet drinking, six, sweet 16, yeah. birthdays, because, um... I was inspired. Yes. I was inspired. Wonderful. By some random thing on Twitter I saw. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who put it, but like, thank you, whoever that was. Um, basically, Twitter just, said it. Twitter, yeah. yeah. The, the Twitterverse, whatever you yeah. want to call it. But they kind of inspired me. Uh, the original tweet was something like uh, The uh, the meaning of your life is the uh, top 
song when you were age 14. Really? So, really? I thought it would be pretty cool. Uh, I'm calling this, and maybe um, until you can think of a better name uh, for it, Playlist of Your Life. Okay. So what I want to do... Is go through each year. Is go through each year. We're not going to do all of them, but I want to go through each year yeah. for both of us yeah. and see uh, what, the top, what the top yeah. song was, and then... Right. I don't I want you... No, no. <laughs> this is going to be... Super. So we're going to go from, like, zero, like, birth... Mm-hmm. One, two, three, or we're gonna yeah. Go? We're only we're only doing we're only doing uh nineteen ninety. We're only doing up to ninety three right now, so we're only four years this time. Um, so I start I start this. Well, see, originally, Alden, I was gonna start with your actual birthday, but they didn't make top one hundred lists back then in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> right, right. They had the they had the top one hundred pamphlets. The top one hundred like tax charts. Town criers. Top one hundreds favorite. Jams at Yule the Pub. No, I like how you're three years older than me, and I've, I've, the, the whole joke is like you're, yeah. you're I do so feel old, so much more mature and experienced than you know. I feel wiser. How couldn't you? Really? Yeah, I've experienced so much more than you. How know. couldn't you? Um, well, Alden, your your birthday is August fifth, and your original birthday, the date of your birth, is nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety, yeah. All right, give, give August. Me, okay, 5th. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction. Yeah, I think this would be fun. Make right, a prediction. A prediction. Yeah. Um, it, it it it's not gonna be somebody cool. Well, um, I'll 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 give you this hint. It's yeah. somebody who appears a lot on the top one hundred. <sighs> Shit. Someone who's actually made a a lot. Okay. Would I know them? Yeah. For sure. Mm. Would you... I mean, I will I will reference this with a saying, this is from the top singles, so this is all going to be pop music. Okay. And so this really gives us more of a, a more of a look into, like, what was popular at the time. Is this, Less like, of stuff oh, that you necessarily would listen is to, it Madonna? I'm sure. Is it Madonna? No. No, but I mean, it's not a bad guess. It's not Kurt Cobain. No. It's 1990. Nirvana was 1990. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, throwing stuff out here. Uh, um, Cindy Lauper. Uh, you know. Uh, U2? U2 mm-hmm. is going to start them too. Uh, Michael Jackson? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I can't think, I can't think of any of this. Well, well, anyways, you're, you're, you're you were, you were, you were born. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you're, 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 your parents are like, all I want is you. <laughs> Right. All I want for Christmas is you. Oh, wait. Hold on. Is it like and, some sort of... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to give you... I, I, I was just, trying to think no, of how to, no, how just, to put that just in tell, there. Just tell me it. Just tell me it. I won't get this. The, the, single, the single when you were born was uh, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey? That's what I was trying to say. All I, all I want for Christmas I'll, is you. I'll, I just think of like Billie Holiday or like or like Frank Sinatra or something. Like, like old time. Not like... Frank Sinatra. All I want for Christmas is you. Like something more like old, not Mariah Carey. Mariah Mm -hmm. Carey was singing in the 90s? Yeah, she was singing in the 90s. How old is she? Mm, Like a thousand? I don't know. I mean, this is a picture of her on the cover of her single. Uh. I mean, you don't have to ogle, but... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so to give you a little background here, mm-hmm. it's the debut single by her. So, Shit, so the first one, yeah. chart topper. Yeah, uh, it was the debut album. It was the single from the debut album, Mariah Carey. Mm. That's what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, after being featured on Carey's demo tape for Columbia, the song was re-recorded and produced by some people. Vision of Love 
features a slow dance theme tempo and backing vocals sung by Carrie Hurst. Mariah Carey. Why does that sound weird saying it? I have to say both both together. Carrie. So it's backing vocals sung by Carrie herself and introduces the uses of uh, usage of a whistle register. Now, if you have any idea what a whistle register is, I have no idea. Like a uh, like the sign sign your papers here if you're a whistler. Come on over. Now, if you're if you're an old down south whistler, you sign here on the left. If you're an up tempo northern whistler, you sign up here. I'm an Irish whistler. Well, you go in the middle. I uh, can't actually whistle. Yeah, that's the erotic thing. Just put your lips together and blow. I try. I'm blowing as hard as I can. I can tell you, folks, he really is. Oh, gross. Uh, lyrically, the song describes both a past and present relationship with a lover. Mm. Car- Carrie describes vision of love she dreamed of as well as present love she feels for him. So basically, it's like Earth's way of greeting its favorite son onto this planet. Yeah, and pretty much. Yeah. You want to let's let's listen. Let's listen right. to a little bit of vision. I just like the beginning, but I think it picks up when it goes into that more sort of like older style, and it's got a little bit more beat to it. Like the jab, yeah, the little jabs and stuff like that. That's cool. You know, the beginning, the the beginning, you know, like the the beginning stuff. It's too soft and wishy-washy. I hate that. I really dislike it. It's so cheap. It's such a cheap cheap. because it's like if I'm singing with like emotion and passion, a way of like sounding like a. I've seen a lot of. Okay, I shouldn't say I hate it. Specifically, but I've seen a lot of uh, women use it because they're not necessarily a good singer um, to cover up the fact that they aren't a good singer. Okay. So it like adds something when necessarily they're not necessarily actually skillful. Mm. It's sort of a cheap way of doing it. Um, not to take away from people who can actually do it well, yeah. because there are definitely people who can do that, and that's when it's good. But well, I'll say lyrically, I think this makes a lot of sense for for a birth. Yeah, um, yeah. It says. Uh, a sweet destiny carried me through desperation to the mm. one that was waiting for me. Yeah. It took so long, still I believed somehow the one I needed would find me eventually. It's a pretty 
a I syllable a, dense song. Yeah, too, is, I know. I can't. I have no idea how to sing this. Uh, like it's a lot of it. interesting sort of. Uh, yeah. Mm. It says yeah. So so I had a vision of love. Yeah. And all that even me played through the nights felt so long. Suffered through alienation. That's yeah. A weird that's line. A, I know. Carried the weight on my own. Yeah. Had to be strong. Teen so I believed. <laughs> and now I know I've succeeded in finding a place I conceived. Yeah. It's good. It. I think that's it's good. It. The lyrics hold up, and I think that the beat's good. Yeah, I don't know how it ends, but uh, oh, sorry. Did you that's okay. No, no, it's fine. I'll listen to it later. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's... you want you want to listen to these? No, 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 no. It's fine. Okay. All right. It's fine. Well, all right. So, step fast forward one whole year, and <laughs> it's it's Alden Alden's up and walking around at age one. I don't know. Oh, I don't know anything I think about babies. I was babies. walking by one. I don't know anything about babies. Um. So so it's your it's your first birthday. Yeah. You got you got your one your one cupcake. your one candle and your one cupcake. Yeah. And what's playing on the radio is everything I do, I do it for you. Really? Brian Adams. Really? Everything I do, I do it for you. That one? Yeah, I think so. Look into my Yeah, I mean, like this 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 song, I'm not too happy with um, the breathiness. You I've heard it before. The... Yeah, it's just it's cheap. It's it's a weak way to to make it sound. Now, maybe his voice is actually like that, and if so, I'm sorry for him. Uh, it's yeah, but it's just a. Everything I do, so it's like a similar problem. To yeah, the, the but Mariah Carey fixes it because she actually has talent. Uh-huh. Where I don't think this. I'm not Brian sure. Adams? Brian Adams. I've never re- I heard. Really know I know this song. Him. So, okay. Canadian singer-songwriter Brian yeah, Adams. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Piece of uh, shit. It released on two albums simultaneously. Uh-huh. The soundtrack album from the 1991 film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. See? I knew there was a reason I hated it. I knew there was a reason I hated <laughs> and it. And Adams' sixth album, Rocking Up the Neighbors. Waking Up the Neighbors. You would locking wake up, up the neighbors. You'd locking up the neighbors. You'd wake up the neighbors with that? Really? The soft, mm-hmm. sultry sex song? It's uh, one of his most successful songs and best-selling of singles of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it does say, like, you know, he'll, he'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is another, like, this could be another birth song, I feel like. But it's not. You're already out there. Um, one thing, though, predict or guess, uh, how long do you think this song is? Like 
eight minutes. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It is It is super long. <laughs> like, I was surprised. It's six and a half minutes long. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, it's... Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right. The next one I'm very excited about. Okay. Skip to 1992. It's got to be something like... The, something like... Uh, 992... Yeah, you have any predictions? Yeah, I'm gonna say something like harder. Something like something's busted through. Something's smashed through the m- morass of shitty pop. And so you think it's something? It's something much different. Yeah, right? I think it's. I think it's turning a new leaf. Okay. Um. Uh. Shit. Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any specific? No, just Beastie Boys. Well, Alden, it's interesting that you read up Beastie Boys because um. This guy has been called the grandfather of Beastie Boys. <laughs> Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so let's let's take a little listen. Oh my god, Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. She looks like one of those rap guys' girlfriends. But, you know, who understands those rap guys? They only talk to her because she looks like a total prostitute, okay? I mean, her butt just so big i can't believe it's just so round it's like out there i mean gross look she's just so black i like big butts and i cannot lie you other brothers can't deny and when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face you get sprung wanna pull up tough cause you notice that butt was stuffed deep in the jeans she's wearing i'm hooked and i can't stop staring oh baby i wanna get whipped out Smooth skin, you say you want to get in my bins? Well, use me, use me, cause you ain't that average groupie. I seen her dancing to hell with romance, and she's sweat, wet, got it going like a turbo vet. I'm tired of magazines, saying flat butts all the thing. Take the average black man and ask him that. She got to pack much bags, so fellas. <laughs> what, what do you, what do you think about this one? Solid. Good dance yeah. tunes. Yeah. 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 You, th- you throw this on in any club, white people go crazy. It's interesting <laughs> because listening to it now, I'm like, weirdly, like, there's a lot of race, like, yeah. stuff in there. Yeah. Like, and I, I guess that's that's fair, but, like, this I don't This is a white person it. classic. This is a... Well, I mean, the they, they really... Everybody they really, they really hit that hard. He's like, oh, she looks so black. And it was like, all the black boys know. Yeah. All the black men know. Yeah. Um... So you got to pack twerking, that back. Twerking's whatever. coming from this. L.A. face with the Oakland booty, you know? Um, so, so yeah, uh, um, I, I think that, yeah, this, this, this one definitely has that A-B-A-B, like, rap mm-hmm. style, like, you know. Because, mm-hmm. like, the people who are popular at the time are, like, Vanilla Ice. Right, um, yeah. People like uh, MC Hammer. Like, those are the biggest stars in the mm-hmm. 90s. Like, Will Smith, you know? Um, it's, it's just, yeah. Anyways, um, uh, some some background for Baby Got Back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's from his album Mac Daddy. Nice. Um, it samples nice. the 1986 Detroit techno single Technicolor by Channel One. Really? Yeah. I mean, it does have a very uh, house beat. That's a like that's a like pretty solid little rhythm. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but I love that transitional stage between disco, house, and then techno in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s because it's just such a weird stage because you have technology sort of 
yeah. exploding at the same time too, like computers and synthesizers really sort of get digital synthesizers coming to their own. I know they sound very hokey, but like people who were using, like for example, um, shit, what's what's that, what's that band? Sweet dreams are made. You remix and stuff like that, right? And Craftwork um, um, and all these other guys—they're using digital things for the first time. And it, to us, it sounds like a shitty MIDI because it is. <laughs> but it, at the time, that was like revolutionary. That was like the—that was the most cutting-edge audio technology that you could get your hands on. Um, yeah. Same with like Talking Heads and all those other guys. And it's just such a experimental stage yeah. when maybe socially it was becoming more conservative um i don't know are you are thinking you, about america and are you, are, yeah are you talking about the 90s or the, the 80s, 80s right the building up to the 90s uh, okay, okay. like building up to the 90s sorry so late late 80s, late 80s right, and okay. building up to the 90s. I just, um sorry. some some background for sir mix a lot's baby got baby got back um at the time of its original release, the song caused controversy with its outspoken and blatantly mm. sexual lyrics about women, mm. as well as specific reference to the female buttocks, mm-hmm. which some people found mm-hmm. objectionable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Video was briefly banned by MTV, um, hmm. but it has remained popular yeah. um, since it was originally featured. Uh, anything else? Yeah, the, <laughs> I love the synopsis. The first verse begins with, I like big butts and I cannot lie. And most of the songs is about the attra- the rapper's attraction to large buttocks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The second, the second and third verse challenge mainstream norms of beauty. I ain't talking Playboy because silicon parts are made for toys. And so Cosmo says you're fat. Well, I ain't down with that. The song came from a meeting between Sir Mixalot and Amelia Dorsey. I don't know who that is. Who saw a little representation of full-figured women in the media. The idea came from the 1980s Budweiser commercial featuring very mm-hmm. thin Valley Girl-esque models. So uh, Mix and Dorsey sought to, quote, broaden the definition of, of beauty. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, you know. They, you, you know, hey, well, you know, like, Megan Trainer got, like, a ton of love for her, like, uh... All about that bass, right? Yeah. Like this is an early body. version of all about yeah. that bass. I, I feel like that's not exactly <laughs> true. But, um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we finally arrive. Skip at, skip ahead to I mean the you, most important year for you. Well, the most important year for me, yeah, 1993. But before I come into the picture, uh, you you still have a birthday. 1993. You uh, got three bir- three candles and a birthday cake. Uh, the the three radio doors, three doors down. The radio says the radio song that's playing. Yeah. Uh, do you have any guesses? Uh, you got Celine Dion. I'm gonna put Celine Dion or somebody like that. Somebody yeah. that ilk. Well, you're very close. It's UB40 with "Can't Help Falling in Love." Oh, God, those fucking love songs. Falling in 
Uh, yeah, that's great. Shout out. So this is a couple things to note here. UB40, huh? The only version that I know is the Elvis version. I mean, song. yeah, that's that's the most famous. That's one, the one sure. I know. Um, so it's interesting to hear it again in that modern retelling. Uh, Modernish. I really like the horns and the like yeah, composition man. of yeah, the track. Man. It's very like. Do you know? Whoa! What? But yeah. I dislike the singer's voice. Yeah. Well, do you know anything about the the band UB40? Nope. So their their other one that you might know, I mean, yeah, I know you don't know a ton of music, but uh, Red Red Wine, uh, you might you might recognize it if I played it. Mm. Oops, I don't know a ton of music. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, just I popular music, no. I should say. Oh yeah. The chorus. Yeah, yeah. I heard it before. Yeah, definitely. So they're a fusion exactly. reggae band. Yeah, I. You know what? I yeah. like. Okay, so here's right? here's the thing about reggae. Mm -hmm. Reggae is um, one of my least favorite genres. Yeah. Um, but ska is my least least favorite. <laughs> and dub, I really really like. And dub is just like more housey reggae. Like, so, if reggae's in the middle, dub's to the right, and it's, like, washed out and, like, really down-tempo. And then you go to the left, and you have up-tempo ska, and, like, I just don't... See, so, I'm kind of the opposite, because yeah. I'm okay. I have a soft spot for ska and reggae. Yeah. I, I'm cool with reggae. Yeah. I'm cool with dub. I... Ugh. You don't like it? It's, like... I love it's it. It's just, like... Too uh, washy? I don't like it that much. Too washy? Uh, too yeah. slow? Yeah. So, like it's it. ironic. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, of Saint Germain. So, so UB40 is British reggae band. Mm -hmm. um, this is the first signal from single from their 1993 album Promises and Lies. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a good song for you. Can't help falling in love. Yeah. Well, it, it also appeared in the 1997 film Speed Two Cruise Control, which is arguably worse than Speed. <laughs> Arguably, though, because it is a firm belief of this podcast here. That Speed 3 is, that in Speed fact... 3 is the best of the the Speed franchises. Well, Alden. Yeah. 1993. Yeah. Wasn't just your third birthday. It was also someone else's. Your zeroth birthday. Your literal birthday. And I... Um, I was born on September 14th, so I'm in a different oh. month than you. I'm oh. in a different month than you. So, so we're doing up a month. So right. I should have said that okay. before. Probably. But uh, my one, can you give a, you have any guess? 1993? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. It's just a stupid joke. Don't worry about it. Um. No, you're not going to say it? No. This <laughs> is right. really dumb. Right. <laughs> just trying to like formulate the best way to say it I'm like trying to like eight years time from now we'll be sad or something like that <laughs> trying to do a 9-11 joke <laughs> I told you it wasn't good wow yeah that's, that's <laughs> it's pretty <not> awful <laughs> um, 
Wow. Uh, um, all right. Well, uh, the, the single. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like yeah. fucking oh, well. um, share. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna say it. Uh, the the single for my uh, moment, my great moment, yeah. was by another one of our favorites, Mariah Carey. Really, Dream Lover. Oh, uh-huh, she's back. Yeah. It's upbeat. Yeah, sure. I think I think similar to your Mariah Carey song, yeah, it it's also another good birth song. Yeah, Isn't yeah. it weird how like love like can just be like subjective, whatever you want it to be? Yeah. It says like I need a lover to give me the kind of love that will last always, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, that could be that could be a baby, child, right? That'd be a child. Someone to comfort and hold me. Well, mm-hmm. that's a little bit the other side. Maybe maybe it's the baby talking to the mom. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. that's it. Maybe the dream lover is is the is the mom. I don't know. Anyways, um, some background here. Dream Lover is a song by Mariah Carey. Uh, it's the lead single from her third studio album, Music Box. Um, the song incorporates a sample from the hook from Blyde Alley, Alley by The Emotions into its melody and instrumentation. Uh, dream Lover helped Mariah... Carrie uh, transitioned into the pop music market, a choice made with mixed reception to her previous studio effort, Emotions, which featured gospel and 1960s soul influences. Lyrically, the song pictures a protagonist calling to a perfect lover, her dream lover, to whisk her away into the night, not disillusion her like others in the past. Mm. Honestly, sounds a lot similar to yeah. Vision of Love. You yeah. Know? Like, like, really, all of these songs, like, they're, they're you know... I think that's what we'll find, given yeah. on, our, on our path through, through the playlist of our lives. Yeah. is Love songs? Well, the fact that like so many of these songs, so many of these pop songs, are just going to be the same yeah. like themes, same things coming up it's over and over. It's kind of depressing as a musician. I don't know. I think it's kind of encouraging the fact that like Yeah, but it also humans... means that you can just like sit down and like shit out something and people are like, Yay, yeah, you're so good. Because it's a it's a it's a human emotion. It's 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 but something it's that's so like universal to everyone and something that everyone will always 
deal with. And you it's know? true. Like all the song. Like if I listen to like fucking Dirty Projectors, they sing songs about love, just in a very obtuse manner. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm and I mean, like yeah. you talking about how the UB40 is like singing from Elvis, yeah. Elvis back in whatever, yeah. you know, like it's it's all like go back to the 12th century, same stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. I know, and it's like your one song about like yeah, the, live love. You yeah, know. yeah, exactly. Live That's the same life. as I like big butts. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know. Music is history a rhymes term. just like music. History rhymes just like music. Yeah. Wow, that's great. I like that a lot. That's pretty good. That's Title great. for our new podcast called Music. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, when we return, we're gonna come back with some real human being search. Word up. Here once again with Jake here once again. Jake here. Jake. 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 Should I call myself Jacob or Jake? I don't know. Either way, I'm here and I'm queer. Maybe. I don't think so. Um, I'm still here and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about upcoming stuff. The music for this interlude is a musician who I am obsessed with right now. Um, St. Lennox is his name, and um, I just love his unique voice and patterns and blend of, like, synth and drum kit, and I don't know, it it all fuses together for a very interesting experience. Uh, This song is I Still Dream in the 90s, very fitting given the playlist that we just listened to. (laughs) So much 90s there. Honestly, I can only think of uh, everything I do um, and remember Arrested Development with uh, Job um, and his puppet singing it. I'm really interested to continue this series and see where we'll get to and what what patterns we'll see. I'm sure other people have done it, but it's I, I, I find it a very interesting exercise. I'm most dreading the 2000s, um, honestly. I feel like the early to mid-aughts were just a place of awfulness. Um, Michael Bay movies and, uh, like, uh, new metal, like, that's that's kind of what comes up to my mind when I think about mid Two thousands, I guess that and like the Iraq War and George W. Bush, not really a good combination. Um, has nothing to do with what's coming up, which is a real human being search about uh, a very famous nerd, uh, Gary Gygax, who, oh my God, invented Dungeons and Dragons, one of the biggest games, uh, most popular games of this century. And it's a really amazing story about, like, 
innovation and backstabbing and I want to make a movie of it, uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. So uh, have fun with that. And um, yeah. everybody to the show tonight jacob and i have been discussing a variety of topics uh <laughs> so welcome to any time you're like serious like it just kind of comes out of nowhere so welcome back to our fireside chats because i can switch jacob from one emotion to the other um uh what are we uh, yeah we're, we're that, that. Right, welcome whatever. to <laughs> welcome to real human bing search where we uh, pick a person and uh, do a little uh, binging and see what we can bing back to the surface. That's pretty good. <laughs> Real human bing search. My greatest achievement. For all you people who are like like real human being fans, like this is the 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 there's worst a code. code. Wait, hold on. Okay. There's a coded message, and if you can tell me what it is, we'll give you a free access code to our secret page. Alright, great. That's good. I like that. That's fine. Alright. Find the secret code. Find the secret code in that in that sting, and you will uh, receive a prize from us. Yeah, because why would it be? We'll send else? you nude pics. <laughs> All right, and an access code to more nude pics. The second place prize: uh, two nude pics. <laughs> Classic joke. Classic joke. <laughs> um, Look, all right. Anyway. Anyway, uh, where, where, where are we binging today, Alden? We're binging one of my personal uh, people who I respect. Uh, maybe not. Uh, That's not a very big list. I can <laughs> tell you here, folks. He doesn't respect anybody. <laughs> not even myself. <laughs> um, wow, too real. <laughs> uh, Ernest Gary Gygax. Uh, oh, I was really scared for a second that you had changed it on me and you were going to say Klein. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, Ernest actually, Klein is the son of Ernest Gary Gygax. Actually? No. No, no. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, Ernest Gary Gygax, Gygax, or as he's more commonly known, Gary Gygax. 
Um, Tell me about this guy. So he is uh, most notable for being the original, it's debatable, and we'll get into that in a bit, um, designer and sort of father of uh, role-playing games as a known, which most people would know as Dungeons and Dragons. He's that sort of his... Oh, yeah, brother. Baby, as it were. Um, uh, would you like to know when he was born? Oh, I should probably guess. Yeah, um, guess when he was born. Okay, and well, is he still alive or not? Okay, so, uh, he, Dungeons and Dragons, like, made it big in, like, the 80s-ish, mm-hmm. so that means he'd be, like, around his 20s, so he had to be born to, like, in the 19... I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go a little bit, mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna be a little mm-hmm. bit safe here, or, in my opinion, safe. I'm gonna say he was born, like, sometime 1950s. Okay. And I... I feel like I'm gonna be really sad because I feel like I feel like he's not alive, and I feel like I know that from a episode of Futurama mm-hmm. where he's featured, and I think at the end they go like in memoriam of Gary mm-hmm. Gygax. That is true. He is past. He is dead. He is dead. He is dead. Uh, he died uh, March fourth, two thousand eight. Uh, but he was born. Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. He was born July twenty seventh, nineteen thirty eight. Whoa! All yeah, right. Thirty eight. Wow. He was born okay. thirty eight. Jeez. Um, so he was. Right, he died at the off. age of sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sex number. Um, he was born in Chicago, Illinois. Cool. Um, not sure if that's the Chicago accent. What is a Chicago accent? Uh, is there a Chicago um, accent? Yeah. I, I, um, oh, da bears. Ah. Uh, 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 what you yeah. doing up there? Sort of that's, Wisconsin. That's Wisconsin. Yeah. That's the, they're more... Which is funny, because that's where he ended up dying. Yeah. In Wisconsin. <laughs> but no, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, for those people who don't know, um, it's essentially, uh, you've got a bunch of people around a table, you mm-hmm. have dice and paper, and you collectively... And like weird-ass dice, too. And weird dice, like not just a D6, or a, sorry, a six-sided dice, but like uh, a dice that has 20 sides, a dice that has four sides, a dice that has 10 or 12... Um, and you sit around and you sort of tell a story, a collective story. Now the story has rules, which is what Dungeons and Dragons is. Dungeons and Dragons is a set of rules to tell a story. Um, and you play characters, you play a person in this sort of other world, as it were. Um, the idea being that there is one person in control, Mm -hmm. called a dungeon master. Uh, and then there are three to five, maybe even seven, eight players who take part in the world and they work together to solve problems. You can kind of think of it like Lord of the Rings, except there's somebody telling them yeah. what they can or can't do and they're deciding what they can or can't do. Well, and is is there a board? No. There's, well, is, this you a, can, is this one of those board games I've you heard can't, about? You can't have a board. That's interesting to bring it up. You can have a board, but it's not necessary. You can um, just play it all in your mind. You can play it all in your mind. Whoa! You, you can play it all in your mind. It all comes from the imagination within you. Imagination. Imagination. Um, and it is it is fundamental to a lot of uh, video games that follow afterwards, and it is still going strong to this day. Um, not Hell just Dungeons yeah, & Dragons, but a bunch of other stuff. Collectively called tabletop RPGs, because you play it on a table, and it's a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, the top of the table. I'd recommend, uh, you know, checking it out if you are interested. It is a, it is a fascinating little subculture that we've developed over the years, and I think it's not the bottom of the table, the top no, of the, the table. top. You play on the top. Don't get underneath the table. It's really hard to roll dice up. You want to throw them down. 
<laughs> cool. So he was born in Chicago, the son of Almina Emily Posey Burdick, uh. a Swiss and a Swiss immigrant and former Chicago Symphony Orchestra violinist Ernst Gygax. Hence his weird last name. Because the Swedes, they got weird last names. Uh, uh, um, Swedes. Okay. He was named Ernest, but he's more commonly known as yeah, Gary. Yeah, Ernest. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm Swedish. His his name Gary. Is that Swedish. Yeah, that's, it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> Ernest, get in here. Yeah. I need to read you Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes, Papa. I sound the same as you. All right. Sorry. Um. So he grew up in Chicago. He could hear the Chicago Cubs play, while because he was close enough to their field. Mm. He remembers it very vividly. So. He remembers it as a small group of friends when he was young called the Kenmore Pirates, and they beat up other oh. gangs of boys. Wait, what? Yeah, in the 1940s. <laughs> wait, yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, wait, he was born in the 30s. 38. 38. So he's so he, wartime he's youth. Like, yeah. He's like three years old going around like yeah. at age At age seven. So oh. this would be Man, 1945. Wow, all right. Um yeah, wow. I have to. I have to reframe. I'm thinking like the, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of like 60s, 70s. No, this, but is, no, this, this is, is wartime like, yeah. America. Like, see, yeah. eh. uh, wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, I'm gonna try to do this. Uh, yeah. Wow, the Swedish gang. You see. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, in 1946, they decided to move to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is ah. where he eventually uh, passes and and so spends the rest of his life. <laughs> Let's see. Moves there and dies. Um, wow. And his Gary's, Short story. Gary's grandparents still live there, so that's why they moved there. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. okay. At the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it. Uh, In this new setting, Gygax made friends with several of his peers, Don Kay, um, and he developed an appreciation and love for fantasy and sci-fi literature when he was young. Um, he also played card games and chess, so he's a very avid gamer. And mm-hmm. he would start uh, sort of doing make-believe games with his friends, and he would act as a referee, which basically is just LARPing. Um, his father introduced him to science fiction and fantasy through pulp novels. Huh. Um, so eventually, That's he good. started to begin playing miniature war games with his friend Don Kay in the 1950s. So miniature war games is where they got started. That's basically like chess plus version, mm. where you have little figurines that have different rules that you can move around. And generally, it's either like World War One or like Napoleonic. So yeah, Don. They actually Don got su- they super they became super into it, and they would use firecrackers as a, to simulate explosions. Boom! Wow, <laughs> um, wow, that was a big one. <laughs> he cites uh, for his influences. This is what he read when he was young, and this is what mm-hmm. he cites as big influence: Robert Howard, Jack Vance, Fritz Lieber, H.P. Lovecraft, and Edgar Burroughs, who are all very like pulp fictiony. This is like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Um, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, the the black prince the white prince something of uh, i can't remember his what? name yeah it's uh, jack vance i think it is jack vance the white is it uh, is it like a race thing no 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 it's not a race thing anyway it's about an albino prince who's like weird and elvish and he like okay. he's got a bloodthirsty sword wow all these weird like yeah um, so these it's wow. so sort of like okay. more so like that's that's, that's so sort of strange yeah it's like it's not uh, yeah, because, like, oh, my God, that's true. Because, like, J.R.L. Tolkien, yeah. when did he write? He wrote 40s, after... 50s. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. That era is crazy. Yeah. A lot of that's sort of influenced that pulpiness. Uh, mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, the same stuff we see with Spielberg and uh, George Lucas, who are of similar age and ilk that's as Jerry Gygax. That's, that's true. And, like... Flash Gordon. Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's something... I was I was reading a thing, and, yeah, like, like it's funny because, like... Mm-hmm. 
Spielberg and, and Lucas were aping, were copying mm. stuff, serials from when they were young. So Indiana Jones, Star Wars are like stuff. Yeah. Copies from the 40s, and then people who are copying Star Wars and Indiana Jones are copying a, a copy. Yeah. So it's strange, yeah. And so that like that's what Gary Gygax is doing. So like mm. Shadowrun or something is like a copy of a copy? Yeah. Call of Cthulhu is a copy of a copy of a copy. You know, some weird stuff. So he was a pretty bad student, mediocre, and in 56... Yeah, I don't read so well. A few months after his his father died in 56, so pretty young. He dropped out of high school. He briefly joined the Marines, but was discharged, medically discharged, and he had to move back with his mother. Okay. Yeah. So from there, he commuted to a job as a shipping clerk. Mm -hmm. Um... So, he's just kind of like a... Well, okay, because I have this picture of Gary Gagax in my head, and it's like... Do you want to see a picture of him? Well, the picture that that I have in my head that I remember is he's kind of like a little overweight. He's got like a slight ponytail going yep. on but it's with like like two yeah. two pathetic pieces yeah. of strands of yeah. hair um is he bald uh he's balding yeah okay. um and he's he might have a beard he might have like a kind of white i i, I feel like i'm picturing as a like white beard but i feel like he wasn't that old all the time but that's like how i'm picturing him the whole time what, so what? i'm picturing him going around the 40s like <laughs> what, looking what, like this what fat shirt nerd. Is, what shirt is he wearing like, like a hawaiian shirt you're fucking nailing it that's exactly yeah that's exactly yeah. it yes yes that's exactly what yeah. i'm picturing okay uh, yes yes yeah no <laughs> um so he's 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 Got discharged from the Marines, blah, blah, blah. He gets introduced to a new war game called Gettysburg, uh, which is Avalon Hills. It's a very complicated uh-huh. war game. The how, how old is he now? Uh, he would have been, been 1957. Huh? So 57, he, okay. he would have been sure. 1920. Sure, sure. Right yeah. around there. He becomes obsessed with this game, uh-huh. playing marathon sessions once a week or even more. So Gettysburg. Yeah, it's called Gettysburg. I feel like I've... It's a war game. It reenacts the battle. Yeah, battle gets. I think I played a version of that with my friend. Playing time four to six hours. Yeah, yeah, it was super long. Okay. So uh, he be uh, he also orders his first um, hexagonal mapping sheets, and he begins to design his own games. This is the the birth. This Mm -hmm. is when we're starting to pick up steam. Yeah. Um, He gets reintroduced to actually uh, a girl he knew back Mm -hmm. in Chicago. And then in Lake Geneva, Ooh. Mary Jo Powell, who was a tomboy that played with him and his friend, Dan. Mary and Jo. he becomes smitten, and they become married. So look at this, like, very, like, hometown Americana. I have a tomboy girl yeah. who used to play, like, games with me around oh, the block. That's like... She leaves, meets that's again. sweet. It's very sweet, right? Oh, yeah, that's kind of... And, know. whoa, who nice. here, Don, K, yeah, Don, his friend, Mr. K. was also trying to woo... Mary Jo. Oh, shit. To the point where Kay refused to attend Gygax's wedding. Oh. This is like, this is dumb. What? Yeah. Kay and Gygax reconciled after the wedding. Why won't you come to my wedding, yeah? So he was only 19 at the time of this marriage. Wow. So like these nerds in the 1950s are fighting over a girl. It's like a triangle. Yeah. And she was a tomboy who used to play games oh, with them. This is when they, they, they used to play LARP, like they LARP together. Everyone always says this about everything, but that that deserves to be a movie. Come yeah, on. That, that does. That's awesome. Uh, At least we should do a short. Yeah. So they move to Chicago. He yeah. works as a shipping clerk. Mary Jo finds a job. She becomes pregnant. Um, Ooh. He, he uh, attends night classes in junior college to earn his high school diploma. 
And this time he excels. Good he takes him. anthropology classes. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, he seems like he's a super smart, like, mm-hmm. guy, super creative if he made this game and stuff, and he loves doing these things, but yeah. he just... School wasn't for him. Yeah. Huh? He was a Republican precinct captain for the 1960 presidential election. 1960. Who was that? 1960. 44th quadril between John F. Kennedy defeating Vice President Richard Nixon. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense, yeah. <laughs> he de- he re- observed many infractions uh, of his Democratic counterpart, of the uh. precinct captain. When he threatened to report it, he was uh, <laughs> given... He was offered a full scholarship to the University of Chicago to keep <laughs> silent. He didn't report them, but he also didn't take the scholarship. Well, you better you yeah. better not stop doing anything you're doing, and I'm yeah. also not going to take your bribe. Wow. So he just didn't do anything. <laughs> oh, I love this. So during all this time, uh-huh. he's still playing war games. Yeah. It reached the point that Mary Jo, who was pregnant with their second child, believed he was having an affair. He thought he was having an affair and confronted him in a friend's basement only to discover him and his friends sitting around a map cover table. Now that's a movie scene. She's like angrily driving up. She busts open the door and they're like, honey? Like he's like the boy came so well, Yeah, it's gotta be more like it cuts back and forth and he's like, ooh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. And, but it's, it's it's from the back so you can't see what's on the table or whatever. Yeah, He's like leaning and over then, like... And then, yeah, and then and then she opens the door and then it's just like, Gary and then and then a wide shot John. and it shows yeah. that he, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all like a big misunderstanding yeah, yeah. that's great that's awesome that's great um so his family continues to grow they have a third child born in 62 he's an insurance underwriter now okay. they move back to lake geneva uh-huh um so he will spend expect okay. for a few times where he goes to um hollywood and uh clinton wisconsin he will spend the rest of his life in lake geneva Wow. That's when they're right. from 1962 until the day he dies, 2008. He huh. spends pretty much the rest of his life in Lake Geneva. Lake Geneva, huh? Yeah. It's a small, it's a small town. Uh-huh. Uh, so he, this is where, in the 1960s, he's now still active in the war game world. He's got a good job. He's writing many magazine articles on the subject. Um, he used all sorts of different dice that he actually found in a school supply catalog to generate numbers. So the D20s huh. and the... The twenty sided dice were actually from a school catalog to generate numbers, and he started yeah. using those as ways of getting a broader huh. range of numbers. Okay, okay. He founded several war games clubs, and this is where he really starts to pick up speed. He meets Dave Arneson, and he, who's sort of this other <laughs> war game nerd um, in uh. Indiana, Gen Con, um, which was first in Lake Geneva. And they, they're both fond of the medieval period. We started playing uh, in this period because I found appropriate miniatures. I started devising rules where what the plastic figure was wearing was what he had. If he oh. had a shield and no armor, then he just has a shield. Shield and half armor <laughs> equals half armor rules. Full armor figure equals four full armor rules. So basically, he's getting bored yeah. with war games, and he's just modifying it. He's modifying yeah. so it. He's making mo- his own thing. He's yeah. making his own thing. He's like, house I'm... Rules. I'm Let's do it. He's his house ruling away. And with his friend, Don Kay, Mike Reese, Leon Tucker, and... Oh, so they came back. Yeah. Um, so him, Dave Arneson, and his friends are building up more of these sort of war games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start a little association called the Lake Geneva Tactical Studies Association, huh. um, which was first headquarters were Gygax's basement, <laughs> which I just love. Yeah. Um, however, late in October 1970, he loses his job. As, um, what was his job? As an insurance, oh, insurance underwriter. Guy. Yeah, okay. He has a family of five. Ooh. Um, 1970. Yeah, that would be like yeah. right around. Like, there's gonna be a. If it isn't already, there's gonna be a recession. Okay, so he's got three daughters and two sons. Uh-huh. I'm gonna tell you four of the children's name, and I want you to try and guess 
Oh what my the last god. child's name is because oh it's pretty my good. God. So we have All Ernest, right. named after him, so the Ernest the third, Ernie, mm-hmm. Ernie. Heidi, Heidi, Cindy, and Elise. Elise. And the, 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 the second son. <sighs> the second son. Um I don't know. Is it Oberon? <laughs> is it like Gandalf? Lucian! <laughs> Lucian. L O C L U C I O N. Lucian. I'm interested in, in Mary Jo a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah, I want Mary Jo. Well, I'm just interested in, like, wow, that's, that's an interesting thing because, like, talk about, like, nerd culture being such like a like a like a guy's yeah. like thing and I'm, I'm not saying that it isn't because definitely a lot in this but like the fact that she was yeah. you know like a and nerds a were different in the it. 50s and 60s they were a little true. bit more like clean cut yeah well yeah it's true because like we have all this like awful gamergate yeah. 4chan type stuff yeah. that's kind of disappointing but yeah that's i don't know it, just, just, you could still be a nerd in her social life and i feel like in the in the in the fifties and sixties, you weren't like I don't tethered. Know. I don't really. I, I won't be well, able to. But like, it wouldn't. He's able to be, marry a woman. I, I, I saw I saw that scene in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like, there's like four, um, yeah. the best one. Yeah. Where like the, all the nerds are there, and yeah. like the greasers come yeah. in, they're like they're gonna beat him yeah. up or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, it's probably not how the fifties actually were. <laughs> so he he lost his job. Uh-huh. So he tries to make a living selling board games. It proves unsustainable wow. because he only grosses eight hundred and eighty-two dollars in nineteen seventy-one. Well, you know, yeah. that's <laughs> sounds about right, honestly. He, be, he begins to cobble shoes in his basement, <laughs> which did provide him a steady income and gave him more time to pursue his interests in game development. Hello, I'm here to get my shoes cobbled. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Right this way. Come to my coming to my lab. Come to my basement. Yes. Have you seen? Don't mind the war games. Have you met uh, my wife? What's What's over here? What's under this sheet here? Don't touch the sheet. I need it there. Uh, it's only by 1971 of the same year that he actually publishes his first War Games rules, which simulate medieval-era tactical combat, oh. which is called Chainmail. That's like the first genesis of his rules. And it's like it's like little minis. Yeah, like it's, it's four miniatures. It's okay. for a little war game. Um, however, he does include a fantasy supplement for it, for warriors, oh, cool. wizards, and various monsters drawn from the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and um, other sources. Cool. So this is where we actually start to see the, see the first um, sort of development of what we'd call Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell 100 copies per month. It's doing good. Um, <laughs> he uh, begins to start to work with other people in, in expanding this because it starts to become more and more um, uh-huh. sort of a life of its own. Um, him and Arneson start to develop a purely fantasy-based game. Um, and Arneson begins using his rules of chainmail to run sort of more fantasy style games. And then Gaius goes, aha, I've got it. We can use this for role-playing games. We can mm-hmm. move away from miniatures. We can go to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beginning, Gygax and Arneson immediately start to collaborate onto what's called the fantasy game, which becomes Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and so the legend was yeah. born yeah. out of Lake Geneva. <laughs> And on to an unsuspecting but grateful world. Um, so he begins testing it on his children. <laughs> uh, his two oldest children. Lucian! <laughs> no, what Ern- do you do? His two oldest, Ernie and Elise. Oh. So the, the son and the daughter. And rapidly- Dad, I want to go play football. <laughs> this is no, her. you stay inside and play, play my games. <laughs> 
Um, they, both Arneson and Gygax are running two separate campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gygax begins his campaign, which is called Greyhawk. Now, something to know about Dungeons & Dragons, it, it gets played into a fantasy world, just like Tolkien is in Middle-earth, let's say, you know, like Lord of the Rings is in the Middle-earth. Uh, a Dungeons & Dragons game is in sort of a setting or a world like that, and Gygax's was called Greyhawk, and mm-hmm. Arneson's was called Blackmore. Um, and they begin Greyhawk, to... Blackmore, they... Greyhawk, like the Like, the, like, like, color thing. Color, color adjective. Whatever, yeah. Color adjective. That's, that's a really good way of naming yeah. stuff, though. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, it rapidly expands to include Donkey, again, his childhood friend. Oh, Donkey. Donkey. I thought you said Donkey. No, Donkey. <laughs> donkey! And then we have... Uh, I really hope that he calls his friend, because I just donkey. realized that. <laughs> <Hey>, donkey! <laughs> donkey! Uh, that's that's where they got this the this is where we get uh, the introduction of the player who was making me laugh earlier, Rob Kuntz. Spelled K-U-N-T-Z. I'm assuming Kuntz. Um... Rob, I am Rob, Rob Kuntz. Uh, and it begins to get more and more players. So his children are actually playing with the... Uh, like the old adults? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's a little weird to have like 40-year-olds doing it. That's all. Well, hold on. This is, not, not this that is, old, is, this is 1970-something. So people are 30s. Still. Yeah. Although, I don't know. That's that's actually kind of sweet. Yeah. Playing playing a game with your kids. So they... I guess. That's Gygax nice. and Arneson are constantly trading notes, and they're mm-hmm. building up this revision to the rules. And by 1973, they have a 150-page revision to the rules that they developed, this this supplement mm-hmm. to Chainmail. Yeah. And they're, the fantasy system that they're trying to build. Uh, just based on player feedback and what, what they've been mm-hmm. finding. Um, they begin to start adding aspects which are still used but like like they're really laying the funda- fun- fundamental blocks mm-hmm. so for example wizards only being able to cast a certain number of spells per day comes from right. the dying earth series by jack france so uh magic yeah. is slowly dying in that world and yeah anyway i mean that makes sense too yeah. like you shouldn't be able to just yeah. throw spells whenever you want yeah. um <laughs> garrett gygax finally finishes these rules and he tries to pitch it to the biggest sort of player on the blocks, which was called Avalon Hill at the time. This is the Well kids, show us show us what you got. Yeah. <laughs> give yeah. us give us your ah, elbow. Well <laughs> Well it's a it's a role playing game, sir. Role playing game speaks speaks sense, not this pocky poppycock. What, you're talking about the the things I do at home with my wife? Ha <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Jesus. <laughs> oh, what a... Whoa, Mickey, what are you doing here? <laughs> Oh, I'm here too. Robin Williams. Yes, that's right. <laughs> They're here to help me. <laughs> help. Oh, I sound exactly like the executive. <laughs> They're here the to master. help me, sir. Uh, well, with Mickey and Robin Williams on your side, I say you gotta yourself a deal with Avalon. They kid. don't. They don't understand the new concept of role playing and turn down his offer. Actually, I don't understand, and I turn you down. <laughs> Which would be a great scene in a movie again, like where he's trying to convey, and they're like, "I don't." You know, they made a movie about like the founding of McDonald's. Yeah. They could make one about this. Yeah. It's easy enough. Yeah. Uh, so then. Uh, Gary, Guy, or Gary Gygax's Greyhawk group, which is a it's a quadgy name, Gary Gygax's Greyhawk group. That's great. Which had started <laughs> off with only himself, Ernie Gygax, his son, Don Kay, his friend, Rob, Don Kay. Rob Cunts, and, Rob Ter- Cunts. and Terry Cunts, Rob's brother. <laughs> Hello, we're the Cunts brothers. <laughs> had grown to over 20 people. With, oh my god. With Rob Cunts becoming the co-dungeon master so that each of them could referee groups. Of only a dozen players. That's still insane. I know. 
so during this time, Gygax has been publishing uh, from the 19... This is 1971 to 73, uh, uh-huh. but in October of 73, with Don K as a partner, they Don found... <laughs> Don K. Tactical Studies Rules, which would be later known as TSR. They had to invest $1,000 into the venture, mm-hmm. K borrowing his share from his life insurance policy. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, they didn't have enough money to print... Uh, their new role-playing games. They tried to raise money, but sales were difficult, uh, so they had to find somebody else. So they found Brian Bloom, who would invest 2000 as an equal one-third partner. Mm-hmm. Gygax accepted Bloom's offer right away. Kay was way less enthusiastic, and he had to question Bloom a lot. Now, this right. is something, this is sort of setting the scene. Gygax is a shit businessman. Yeah. Like, he does not... He's a dreamer, you yeah, know? Yeah, he doesn't get it. Like, he's like Ernest Klein. He's yeah. like Ready Player One. He's yeah. like the yeah. the guy. Yeah. Whatever. The the game designer. The creator. Hallison. Hall- yeah. Hall- Hallway. Halloway. Yeah. Halloway. Yeah. Halloway. I think it's Halloway. Halloway. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Keep, keep but going. he's 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 not a very good businessman. And yeah. this is where we see that sort of first inkling. Like, he just accepts right away. Like, no thought. Like, okay, sure. Two thousand bucks. Let's go. I mean, in a way, it's kind of like... Yeah, because yeah, like when you've never been given a chance, yeah. you don't know to push for more. You yeah. know, like if you've never yeah or to question. You know, yeah, and like yeah. that's totally me. Like yeah. I, I would be an awful businessman. I yeah. know that. So they they print a thousand copies, hand assembled print run, whoa, boxed set, January seventy four, um, and it sold out in less than a year. Wow! And the sales skyrocketed. They were only thirty six years thirty six years old at the time. Yeah. However, okay. tragedy stuck struck. One year later, uh-huh. when Don K died of a heart attack. Oh. Uh, he I had, can't even do the joke. I know. <laughs> too sad. Don K. Don K. He had no specific provision regarding his one-third oh, share. Oh, shit. Yeah. So then it just defaults to his wife, Donna. Oh, okay. Uh, Wait. Donna and, and Don? Don? Donna K? Donna, Donna and K. Don? This, I'm Don K and this is my wife, Donna K? <laughs> well, it's great. Yeah, right. It's so funny. Yeah, they were meant for each other. They were meant. <laughs> well, I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to pretend like they're because this is this is the part that's sad. Um, yeah, she did not share her husband's enthusiasm for gaming. Oh no! And she didn't want to have anything doing managing the company. Yeah. So. Gygax characterized her as less than personable. After Don died, she dumped all the TSR rule materials off on my front porch. Um. It would have been impossible to manage business with her involved as a partner. So, this scene makes me think, Gygax stole Mary Jo from Don. So he has to settle for the girl who doesn't well she knows that he doesn't love her that Don K doesn't love love her and he's always been desperate yeah and like that's right like and Don can never go to Gygax's house because it's too painful and like it's just this and that's when they have separate campaigns yeah or like they or Or, they just or no wait they didn't okay yeah well whatever yeah it's fine but it's good still yeah there's it's a skeleton of a story here more than a skeleton (laughs) of a story yeah it's a half-fleshed human oh man yeah Yeah, this is this is good stuff (laughs) after Kay's death TSR was forced to relocate from Kay's dining room to Gygax's basement (laughs) We're back, baby. You know, that's the thing. It's in dining rooms. It's in basements. It really hasn't changed. No, no. Oh, man. That's um, crazy. So, July, Gygax and Bloom reorganized the company, mm. calling it TSR Hobbies. Gygax owned 150 shares, Bloom owning 100, and they had an option to buy up to 700. Okay. The problem was TSR had nothing to publish, because okay. uh, D&D was still owned in a three-way partnership. 
of TSR, not TSR Hobbies. Okay. So they're having oh, fights man, over the... business. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. I hate yeah. the... Like, uh, that makes sense. And they sense didn't have the money to buy out the shares owned by Kay's wife. So uh, Kay's wife was not was not budging on those shares, which means they couldn't publish more She DVDs. really is the villain. Yeah. So she's Donna not Donna Kay is the villain. <laughs> Bloom persuaded a reluctant Gygax to allow his father, so Bloom's the investor there, right. a Melvin Bloom, to buy Donna's shares. So now Bloom has oh, majority now has a, so he is now bloom's employee oh, bloom is the majority shareholder is he, is he like a secondary villain like a yeah. slimy whatever so he's just like <laughs> i'm in it to make a i think box. he's still a gamer like okay. bloom is still a gamer but i think okay. he's definitely more business minded okay he knows yeah. he knows how to gygax okay. is writing supplements for the original D game during this time mm-hmm. he eventually starts to hire more people um to start the first magazine called mm-hmm. The Dragon. Right. Uh, Tim Cask is hired for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they begin to start flexing their muscles. Yeah. They move out of Gygax's home in 76. Oh, finally, huh? Dave, Dave Arneson is hired. Oh, finally too, huh? But then let go 10 oh, months well, later. All right. Um, Gygax and Arneson always had extreme differences in terms of what they wanted D&D to be. Yeah. So... This is something that's, like, for the nerds out there, Gygax believed in, like, what we would call D&D 4th edition. Like, miniature rules, uh, pretty strict dungeon diving, like, uh, I see. pretty stuff. I see. Arneson was the real dreamer. He was like, it's a fantasy world. You can make it whatever you want. It's a t- table of imagination. It, uh, and people uh, people often say, I kind of want to make this a two-parter, because Dave Arneson is also the father because he puts it's like half and half right yeah. they, they put they, but everyone knows gary gygax and nobody and, really knows Arnison. and ironically gary gygax was bad at business yeah and he's but, also yeah but he comes like the face of it right, right. He becomes yeah. the face. well that's interesting because yeah i would so much rather the latter version like yeah. i love the idea of like yeah. like fourth edition is fine yeah. but like it's just it's yeah, yeah, yeah gygax was definitely more cool. on the yeah. uh rules side yeah you I need mean, that. I mean, well, that's the thing is like when you play D anD D, it's basically mm. just math. Yeah. But I think I feel like putting in those that real emotion into it is, can help. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. yeah. So so D anD D still being produced all the way through the seventies. Yeah. Still yeah. selling well. But then they come up with a new thing called AD anD D. This is the new advanced uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes its own distinct product line um, because it's a distinct product line. Arneson does not receive any royalties from the sales of AD&D. Oh. Only D&D. Again, it's the business things. Oh, this is so um, sad. I know. Arneson actually files a suit against uh. Gygax in oh, 1979. Yeah. And uh, they actually settle on giving him 2.5% royalty, which gives him a comfortable six-figure annual income. Wow. So they're actually making quite a lot of money at this point. Like they're, yeah, they're, they must they're be. They're pulling in money yeah. now. They're, they have... The necessary funds, because they're really. This is the thing. They're providing a service for people that nobody else. Yeah, is that's doing. a whole. This is like market, huh? this, they yeah. literally made the market and they have the market. Right. This is the maximum monopoly. We're gonna see later. This is the creation of like the yeah. nerds. Huh? Yeah, this is the birth. Wow. Of it. They release tons of additional books on top of the original sort of core set. Uh-huh. This is where we get all the sort of crazy things. Uh, sales reach eight point five million in nineteen eighty. They started in nineteen seventy three. And he was making eight hundred eighty-two dollars in nineteen seventy-one. Wow. So in nine years, he goes from that to making eight point five million, and then his shares is something like thirty uh, percent. Oh so he's making in the millions. That is. So imagine crazy. your your father, yeah, sitting in his basement, yeah, your, your <laughs> wife, making, yeah. your wife 
is Gary, making me. Gary, what are you doing, doing down there? Yeah, he's like, I'm playing games, and he's like, Come on, Ernie, I'm come playing on, games, Elise. mom. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're there, like, your kid. Go out and get a job, job. Yeah. Gary. Stop, keep gobbling, keep cobbling those shoes. <laughs> and then nine years later, he's coming back making fucking bank. He's like rolling deep. It's uh, it's a it's a American wonder story almost. It's yeah. It is this like the the yeah. the go get him sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, that 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 entrepreneurial like whatever Drive. like yeah. yeah. That part is like all the good parts of mm-hmm. capitalism and whatever and like you know do mm-hmm. your live your dream and all mm-hmm. that and you can achieve it. But I mean like obviously there's yeah. obviously in this like mm-hmm. there's even like because because like he I don't know he and his partner like falling yeah. out and stuff and like. Like that's that's the part that yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, but there's a darker side. Yeah. With this increased money comes increased problems. In 1979, James Dallas Egbert the third of Michigan State University <laughs> disappears allegedly into the school's steam tunnels while playing a oh, live action version fuck, of D and D. In fact, Egbert was actually discovered in Louisiana, but the negative mainstream media attention focused D and D as the cause. Right. Patricia Pulling's son in 1982 sadly yeah. commits suicide and she blames D&D. Yeah. He begins to have to defend D&D. Sales continue increasing. 1982, double, 16 million. Huh. It's the greatest game of the 1980s in the symbol way, in this, yeah, that's true. In this same manner as Monopoly becoming emblematic of the Great Depression. This yeah. is the new right. game for the new generation. So Look true. at Stranger Things. Yeah, right? no, Stranger that's exactly what like, I was boom. thinking. I'm like, and that's a major part yeah. of that of the that world. TV show yeah. is like, and they're under, and their perception of the world and how yeah. they understand it, like the shadow realm and all yeah. that, that all comes yeah. from exactly. D&D. And yeah. that like, that's like the Duffer Brothers, yeah. like Love obviously yeah. they also, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, that's so true. So Bloom now stepping mm. back, he convinces Gygax to allow Brian's brother Kevin to Ooh. purchase his father's. Now the Bloom brothers have controlling interest. The Bloom brothers and Gygax and the Blooms become to get at sort of lo- like loggerheads. They're getting jammed over mm. management, and unfortunately, Gygax is um, sort of mm-hmm. struggling with the fact that he's an employee. Mm-hmm. He's got more money. Yeah, he's frustrated at work. And he and Mary Jo were active members of the local Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, what? Didn't okay. know that. Um, but oh. the others in the congregation already felt uneasy by Guy X's smoking and drinking, <laughs> his connection to the satanic D&D. And lo, yeah. have we said... <laughs> it's like they're oh, and this is where it gets cigar. dark. This is where it gets dark, actually. Oh, no. yeah. They disassociated themselves with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Mary Jo who was continuing to resent the amount of time her husband spent playing games. Even though it's $8.5 million? Yeah. Had begun to drink excessively. Oh, no. And the couple argued frequently. Oh, no. This is a sad story. It's getting worse now. The success, right? It's like, everything's going to be good, and then it's the the turn. It's It's the the rise and fall. My God, why is this so good of a story? Gygax Uh had started smoking marijuana when he lost his insurance. Oh, no, it's a gateway drug. Back in the 1970s. 1970. But well, he now there, starts to fine, he now starts to use cocaine. Oh fuck no! Really? And he has a number of extramarital affairs during this time. Oh. Finally, in 1983, no, they have an acrimonious divorce. Oh damn! The marriage is sadly destroyed by the rapid prosperity. They go from getting 882 dollars yeah. from yeah. the I know. the I principal know. care that's, provider that's, that's to true. having eight million dollars plus. A year. Jeez. Right? Like, that's... Yeah. I get to anybody. You know? 
No, for sure. That's a change of like, yeah. So the blooms are getting eviler. Now they're revealing okay. the coat. They get Gygax out of Lake Geneva so they can manage the company without his interference. They oh, split no. TSR into TSR Inc., the D&D branch, and TSR oh, no. Entertainment. And they make him president of TSR Entertainment. And they send him to Hollywood to develop TV and movie opportunities. He becomes the co-producer of a D&D cartoon series. Right! Oh my god! Look out! Fear not, stranger. Barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. My brother yeah. watched every single episode. Yeah. I've only watched a couple. And like, it's not so good. So this is, this is 19... <laughs> it's not good. This is 1983. Uh-huh. So he would have been... Uh, 45. So he's 45 years old. Yeah. He's newly single. He rents an immense mansion, increases his cocaine usage, and spends time with several young starlets. Oh my he's, god. He's, 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 like, he's like... But like, he's also a nerd. Yeah, he made yeah. a nerdy thing. He's, he's there like doing cocaine yeah. and hanging out with bitches. Yeah, yeah. Like, what? Yeah. He loves big butts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a nerd. He's yeah. like the biggest nerd yeah. of them all. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Oh my shit. This is getting crazier. So... He begins. He becomes occupied with getting a movie off the ground. He uh -huh. leaves the day-to-day -day operations to the Bloom Brothers. After months of negotiation, he reaches an agreement with Orson Welles to star in a and d and John Borman acting as producer and director. Oh my god, that would have been amazing! <laughs> that would be a great scene! That would be a great scene, too! Like, Orson Welles is there, hugely obese... This you know, is incredible! <laughs> this needs to be a movie! At the same time... Um... They reveal that back in Lake Geneva, TSR had run into severe financial difficulties and Bloom was shopping to sell the company for $6 million. Okay. Gygax immediately discards his movie, oh. flies back to Lake Geneva, and he finds that even though TSR is breaking $30 million, yeah. it is not even scratching even. It's actually $1.5 million in debt. And it's going Whoa. to be bankrupt. Why? He finds that... Uh, Mismanagement by Kevin Bloom, excess oh, inventory, no. overstaffing, too many company cars, and oh. expensive projects like dredging the a nineteenth century shipwreck. For no, why are they? What? <laughs> yeah. Why are so they these are the, doing the blooms. that? So he demands that the blooms. They want to find like buried. Yeah. We're the Bloom brothers, and we're going to find buried treasures. He demands treasures. that Kevin Bloom, the younger, be removed as company president, uh -huh. and the three outside directors to agree with him. However, uh, they still believe the financial problems are terminal and the company needs to be sold. No. So then he, Gygax sort of goes nuclear, exercises his no. 700 share stock option, takes over 50% control, appoints himself president, and he begins to try and find new ways to generate revenues. It's a power move here. Yeah. He contacts Dave Arneson, his friend from the previous years. Oh, shit. Reaching out in desperation. He Dave, manages, buddy. yeah, oh, he's Davey. reaching out to Dave. He's saying, buddy, I need a help here. Oh, yeah. However, he hires a company manager called Lorraine Williams. They so manage he go with his friend? 
He doesn't he, know what Dave. He, he reaches out to Dave for more material. Okay, okay. He's like, I need your help. He yeah. hires a new company manager, a woman named Lorraine Williams. Uh-huh. Um, he manages to sell enough of these copies of this new book called Unearth Arcana. So it's the first Unearth Arcana. <laughs> I genuinely give a little gasp. Like, <laughs> he manages to avert, but he paves the way for his own downfall. Oh no! In 1985, the same year. So okay. in March 1985, he goes nuclear and takes control. October, same year. Lorraine reveals her trap card. You triggered my trap card! She has gone to the Bloom Brothers <laughs> and card. bought their shares oh. at discount cut rate prices because the Blooms they wanted to hate screw them over. over. Yeah. yeah. So then she... Oh man, this is... <laughs> this is crazy. Because they triggered their own nuclear 700 yeah, share option. Yeah, they totally did. Williams now becomes, because she has a both, uh-huh. Majority shareholder, she replaces him as president and makes it clear he will make no further creative contributions. Oh, damn. He loses his court bid, uh-huh. resigns from all positions, and quits in 1986. Oh. He loses all rights to his other work, including the world of Greyhawk, oh. and the names of all of the characters he's ever used in TSR oh. material, such as his wizard, his oh. own personal wizard, Morden Kynan. He his, can't like his, use that anymore? He's not allowed to use it. His friend, Rob Kuntz, had a, uh, a mm-hmm. fighter called Robilar and Tensor, who was another character. That oh, Tensor's floating, yes. Yeah. So he loses everything. It's all gone. Just ripped away from him. Like, okay, if he so was... So, like, he hires Lorraine Williams as, like, right. you're going to be my manager. But she, like, she's, like, the extra, like, cut. She sneaks in, goes right. to the blooms. Yeah, boom, she's sneaks. like a poison dagger. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, like, if he, if he had been just playing the game with a bunch of his friends... He would have been happier. And then, well, but like... I'm thinking like BoJack Horseman. Like, it's like he he had... He's uh, like thinking back on his past, the the game, sitting around with Dave and Don and the blue... And just sitting there and having a time. Oh, it's like like he's imagining it's all like a fantasy, but it's an empty house. Yeah, he's He's just sitting there. That's the ending shot of the day. That that destroyed like... He's just sitting there. That that destroyed his family and his life and his... Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> for this game that yeah like I love yeah but it's a nerdy game yeah. like that's in that is so crazy yeah so he he leaves in eighty six uh-huh. he's approached by his friend um and they hope to bank on the fact that he can use his name right because but the problem is is that basically everybody knows D and D nobody knows. Everybody knows Gary Gygax. Gygax. Everybody knows Gygax, but the problem is he can't use any of the D and D stuff. Uh, right? He 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 can't mm-hmm. sort of fight back against it. So he's he's sort of shopping around for other things, and after the eighties, he is just struggling to find a place where he can make the games that he wants to. But all those things are still locked up with Lorraine Williams and D and D. They're still back there. Uh, During all this drama, Gygax becomes a father again. He had formed a romantic relationship with Gail Carpenter, his former assistant at TSR. Oh, okay. So um, he's thinking about the old days again. Yeah. Go yeah. back to Gail. Yeah. Gail Force wins. So now, the birth of Alex, his sixth son, uh-huh. forces him to reconsider. He'd been dominating his whole life with work and gaming. Yeah. And I quote from the biography, Gary, keenly aware that he'd made mistakes as a father and a husband in the past, was determined not to make them again. Oh. Gary was also a realist and knew what good fatherhood would demand, especially at his age. Oh. He marries at the age um, of, 
I guess, 47 uh, to Gail Carpenter. He still does make his living mm. writing different uh, RPG books throughout this time uh, with various companies. Uh-huh. And honestly, from then on outwards, he's just trying to find ways to uh, sort of f- find a living without having to do D&D. Because that was kind of his baby. And uh-huh. it's been taken away from him. He can't really work with it. So he's working, uh-huh. he's working on the Carpenter Project, which was more complex um, and rule-heavy than his original simpler D&D with systems like... Uh, with a new publisher, JVC or NEC. He's just trying to find different ways. During all this time, there's still like conventions, which he goes and you uh-huh. know, visits and so forth. Um, TSR collapses in 96. Mm, so 96, 10, years so af- 10 years after. 10 years after. And that's a whole other story. We could get into that. Well, I won't, though. Um, and it's purchased by Wizards of the Coast. Uh-huh. Um, Wizards of the Coast uh, sort of owner approaches Gygax uh-huh. and he begins to being sort of uh, the new owner didn't harbor any ill will Peter Adkinson and he purchased the residual, residual rights right. um, he did agree to sort of preface and he was allowed back into the D&D fold Aww. the new owner was like alright you're allowed to he like respected the yeah, that yeah he exactly. Made it. he was oh. the founder well, of Wizards of the Coast and sort of said okay come back to the fold uh, from 2000 to 2008, he continues working on his sort of new baby, which he called Legendary Adventures, mm-hmm. um, which he considers his best work. Huh. I've uh, never heard of it before. Yeah, is, it, is it good? I don't know. I've never, I don't have a chapter rule book. <laughs> Ironic. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was a computer role-playing game. Oh, okay. Um, he begins, he continues working on that. He's still working on through these things, and he's adding sort of uh, more information to... Um, the worlds that he wants to build. This is all sort of moving through the 2000s. He starts joining things like Futurama for voiceover yeah. narration. 2000, 2000. Um, an anthology of interest in the year 2000. Bender's Game. Um, he provides uh, voiceovers for um, video games. Mm-hmm. So he's sort of like, you know, he's burnt out and he's just... He's trying to do what he can. But he's coasting and he's wealthy, right? Like yeah. he is... Still very he didn't wealthy. Make it, you know, yeah, yeah, but sure. he's just, you know, there's not much more he can do. Uh-huh. Um, and he stayed this whole entire time in Geneva Lakes. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So basically, what happens, he, he reaches back to his friend, Rob Kuntz. Oh, Kuntz. He comes back to his friend. The Kuntz Again, he's still in Lake Geneva. And he begins to finally put together his final big project. Okay. Which, in through all his years, he's always talked about Castle Greyhawk. Which okay. was the center of his home campaign, Greyhawk. But he never described it. Over 30 years, he never published any details he about just, that castle. Like, it was just always... Yeah. Like a... But then in 2003, he, he partners with Rob Kuntz and they put together a massive project. Uh, the dungeon had 50 levels. 50 levels, jeez. Which is sort of like, think of a 50-story building. Yeah. With thousands of rooms. Six volumes. Estimated upwards of a thousand pages. Would need. They would need to decipher old notes, recreating old maps. They had creative differences, but Gygax continued even after Kunz departed. However, during the year of 2005, he suffered an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Uh-huh. Um, he had to. He was um, terrified of dying, obviously, <laughs> and he came to believe that he would likely die on the operating table, so he refused to consider surgery. Oh, no, that's the opposite, He switched man. from cigarettes, which he'd smoked since high school. Oh, well, yeah, 40s, huh? To cigars. 
All right. Well, I I don't really know if that's any better, to be honest. It uh, wasn't really until don't. 2008 that he actually finished the second volume of his six-volume work. However, he passed away in March 2008, suffering from a aneurysm, I believe, another one that followed up after the previous mm. ones. So here we have a man in summation <sighs> who was a dreamer. Yeah. And he had a childhood childhood friends, which he grew up with. He married yeah. one of the girls he used to play with. He kept going at this hobby that he loved. It succeeded beyond wildest expectations. He flared, burnt out, was destroyed by the very thing yeah, he, he really loved. Was. And then just sort of worked on that thing until he until he just until he passed away. That's incredible. Yeah. That's such a crazy man. This is the plaque that was read at Gen Con in 2008 after uh-huh. his passing. The first DM. He taught us to roll the dice. He opened the door to new worlds. His work shaped our industry. He brought us Gen Con. For this we thank him. In fond memory of Gary Gygax and in celebration of his spirit and accomplishments. He's known as the father of role-playing games. He was inducted to the Academy of Adventure Gaming Arts. Uh, he's known as one of the 50... He's in the top 50 biggest nerds of all time. Yeah, well, uh, fair. He has uh, been given numerous names for various through publications of D&D. A strain of bacteria was named after him. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Yes, Anthronema Gygaxian yeah. spin-off UTC-390. I remember that, yeah. Um, various video games owe their uh, birth and sort of uh, legacy to him. Stephen Colbert, yeah. who was an avid, avid D&D mm-hmm. gamer, For dedicated sure. the last part of the March 5th, 2008 episode to Gygax. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, he's commemorated in various um, films, so Futurama. Mm-hmm. Um, he... All of the D&D 4th edition core rulebooks were dedicated to the memory of Gary E. Gygax. Uh-huh. Um, GaryCon, huh. which is a gaming convention in his hometown, uh-huh. is hosted annually by family members and fans as a tribute. And Gail Gygax, the second wife and widow... Gail Force wins! Uh, ...has been raising funds to construct a memorial. Um... And in March 2011, so I'm not sure how old this information is, it's now seven years old, they approved the memorial. The statue monument will include a castle turret with a bust on top and possibly have a dragon wrapped around the turret. That's nice. Yeah. So that's Gary Gygax, a man who worked his life off. His bibliography is extensive. It's insane. He wrote thousands of novels, not thousands, hundreds um <laughs> but seriously like reading through it it's just like well, geez dude slow down yeah it's too much the yeah. guy was like clearly wow. dedicated to his work and we yeah. can see the profound effect he had on people Man. still to this day yeah, and like that, what a life too that's crazy yeah right? and the don k marrying donna k that's him, crazy and like his wife yeah. divorcing and him talking like, about like the rise and fall and like the yeah. fame and whatnot and, and again this guy is a nerd yeah who's doing like Blow off a hooker's ass yes, or yeah. something crazy yeah, like yeah. that with like a ponytail and like a shitty yeah. goatee and, and like, like he's just a but big he's pulling nerd. in bank too like he's pulling that and money. he's also got like Christian people angry at him yeah. and stuff and he like... got death threats he had a bodyguard because he had so many death threats oh my god that is I never knew there was so yeah. much to it but also like the the insane like tragic nature of it that's I know wow dreams and what we what we do for him huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll never happen to us. Nope. <laughs> We're going to live forever. <laughs> so that's 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 Gary Gygax in a nutshell. I, after reading that, man, I, I respect him way more. I started off a bit 
So they're like, oh yeah, he's like a guy. Uh -huh. Like, man. He's done a lot. He's done a lot. Yeah. That's beautiful. What a beautiful cool. story. Well, um, when we come back, we'll have other beautiful stories of our own with our picks of the week. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Dude. <laughs> It's your boy, the Jakester, coming at you with another interlude! The music this time is from Skyrim. It's the one called Far Horizons. Uh, one of my favorites. Listen to those horns at the very beginning. I'm a French horn player. Very nerdy, I know. So I'm a sucker for those brass lines. I should think of some music that's iconic enough to be considered like Dungeons and Dragons style. I really couldn't think of anything. Um, Skyrim does come close. I know there's somewhat of a fascination now with it as a little hipster to call it out for being kind of crappy, but I still love it, and I think you can still get a lot of enjoyment out of it even this day. It came out like seven years ago or something crazy like that. I forget. But it just seems fitting, too, with um, Bethesda announcing that they're going to release the next part of Elder Scrolls. If you're not into video games, then all of that part was very, very boring. And chances are, you were also bored by the D&D talk, but I hope you weren't bored by Gary Gygax, because he is a fascinating character, whether or not you play tabletop games. I really do hope that they make a movie out of his life. As far as I could tell in my very limited search of this topic, I could not find a movie in production about Gary Gygax's life. However, with your help, we can get this started. Head on down to Dark Wolf Media Kickstarter and uh, give us money to help make this movie happen. No, that's obviously fake. Just like everything else we do. Well, no, not everything else. I mean, really, if you do go onto our Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, and leave us uh, something, we'll, uh, we'll drop you a uh, special something, too. Coming up next from your boy, it's Picks of the Week.
Bum, 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 picks of the week. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Picks of the Week here. Uh, in the studio, we're re-lubed up. We're ready to go. We've got Why our... do you keep on saying lubed up? We're re-greased it's, it's up. Gra- it's grossing me out. <laughs> I don't like the lube thing. Fine. We're, uh, we're refreshed and we're ready to go. That's better. Uh, so, so refresh that podcast. Oh, no, wait, don't. Keep listening. <laughs> don't start again. That would be bad. Actually, maybe it'd be good. Maybe you can pick up on the subtle plea for help that I'm sending out. Wait, what? Um, uh, please help. I'm... Going to be talking about, I guess I'll start. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll start. Sure, I'll start. go for it. I'll start. It's uh, fine. All right, so my pick of the week, no surprise here, because uh, I'm a boring human being, music. Um, it's an artist who I recently discovered, and I'm very glad I did. His name is Jack Stauber. He's on YouTube, and Stauber is spelled S-T-A-U-B-E-R. Um, and he's just a wonderfully lovely man. He produces 30-second, 40-second films. Um, he's very... Gifted, um, sort of VHS-esque uh, videos, little sort of uh, things that I wish that I could do. Basically, I'm, I'm envious. Oh of him. man, there's so much stuff uh, like that. I'm yeah, just very like, fuck. That's good. That's like yeah. exactly what I want to do. Like with my little snippet songs that I put in here. Yeah. That's what I want. I want what he can do to do that. Like I'm, you know, you want to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah so, so he has this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he has this album released in 2017. He's got a new one recently called High Low. But the one I want to talk about today is called Pop Food. And the first song, Buttercup, is just like the fucking bee's knees. It's so good. chaotic sounding and it is very poppy as, as pop food would be described but it's it's a I don't know I just can't begin to put into words how much I really enjoy this song and specifically mm-hmm. the whole album um, the, I think the biggest strength for Jack is that his lyrics um, don't really make sense and that's kind of the best part about it yeah. so the main like the main line in Buttercup is electrify my golden tooth which um, that's doesn't trippy doesn't really make sense that much and then he goes electrify my heart um uh-huh. sort of the two back to back um and it just sort of moves through those lines in a very dreamlike state mm-hmm. uh another song that's on that just to give an example of the lyrics that he might use um he <laughs> talks about how he was mugged and he wants <laughs> the girl to give him money so he can buy candy it's like uh hello 
I'm not trying to freak you, babe, but I just got mugged today, and I need some money to buy candy bars. No, I'm not trying to bug you, babe, but I just got mugged today, and I need some money to buy candy bars. And it really does sound, that last part, bars. Bars. He does that, uh, deliberately. And it is, I'm so, exaggerating. Is that why it's kind of fascinating? Yeah, it's because... it's different? Hello? It's so, Snickers. It's so strange. It's like, he's... It's, it could be... It's definitely yeah. pretentious. This is music that people would be like, why you listen to that? And you're like, well, I like it because... You kind of have to, like, caveat it. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But I enjoy that because he's doing something new and he's yeah. doing something with honesty, with sincerity. Like, I don't think this is an act. Yeah. This is legitimately how his brain is working and functioning. And okay. this is what he's needing to do for his art. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's the sincerity behind it. The lyrics don't sound like he's just randomly throwing stuff together. It works for the song. That line works in mm -hmm. the context of the music. Um, whereas, you know, some other songs might sound trite or trying too hard. I don't feel like that's really him. And again, a lot of this comes through his multimedia approach, like his YouTube videos are short little clips of a lot of songs. And he has these all sort of little very strange snippets and things, stop motion and animation. Mm -hmm. And it's all sort of in this warped 80s VHS quality, which I really like and appreciate. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he is... Sounds right up your alley. He is like... I would, I would... It's sort of a mixture of like MGMT and Animal Collective and... All these sort of other elements. Even like uh, a bit of Dan Deacon in there too. Cool. Um, I mean, those yeah. are all people I like. He's really good. He's really yeah. good. I'd recommend anybody to check it out. Jack Stauber. S-T-A-U-B-E-R. Um, Stauber. Stauber, yeah. And the cool. album's called Pop Food. Or you can find High Low, which is H-I-L-O. Okay. Yeah. It'll be in the footnotes. Yeah. And notes. Footnotes is crack. I just steal everything. That's fine. So. I steal everything too. <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, my my pick of the week this time is also music. Mm -hmm. um, it's less. It's about the song too, I guess, mm -hmm. but it's it's more about the moment because yeah, the, the story, meta, the meta knowledge, the story about it is crazy. Yeah. Um, recently, Pusha T uh, released a song, pretty much just on YouTube, like kind of out of the blue, and it's called "The Story of uh, Adenon," uh, and it it. Uh, there's a really interesting story behind it because the cover of it is Drake, mm. the, the other rapper. So mm. Pusha T is a rapper. Drake is a rapper. Drake in blackface. Mm. And it's this very strange, like, weird, like, yeah. what the hell? How did they get there? I'll, mm. And I'll come back to that. Mm. The, the, um, the song itself is a diss track of Drake, mm. which um, Adenon is a reference to Drake's son, whose name is, well... Drake's alleged son with this this woman who he has never like acknowledged like he's a bastard son apparently right. pretty much Adonis and Drake recently was going to name a line of sneakers from Adidas Adidanon like for his not son right and so uh Pusha T in this in this song is calling out drake for not being a good father mm. for not feeling black enough for like it's this really intense like really crazy like really cool look into like identity mm. uh and like how drake has been perceived and and, and what he is and it, it's the song itself is um from one of your favorite songs mm. uh, nina simone's uh mm. four women yeah which was sampled but, but it's also taken from the jay-z song right yeah jay-z 
it's it's Jay Z's sample, yeah. and Jay Z's sample comes from Story of OJ. Yeah. So this is Story of it's a copy uh, of a copy. Oh, it's a, it's a yes. sample of a sample. Of exactly. Sample. Um, and Jay-Z's song is all about, you know, I'm not black, I'm OJ, which is like basically like, you know, talking about how OJ. black people will always be black people and, and things like that. And so this is weirdly like, again, like it's it's used as a meta commentary mm-hmm. on, on the thing itself. So all the stuff he's talking about is basically the fact that Drake was also abandoned by his, his dad and then he eventually reconciled. Yeah. But like... Pusha T's like accusing him of pretty much doing the same thing to his son or whatever, um, which is crazy. Drug dealing aside, goose right in the side. Let's have a heart to heart about your pride. Even though you're multi, I see that your soul don't look alive. The M's count different when baby divides the pie. Wait, let's examine why your music for the past few years been angry and full of lies. I started at the home front, I'm on one. Dennis Graham, stay off the gram, bitch, I'm on one. You mentioned wedding ring like it's a bad thing. Your father walked away at five, hell of a dad thing. Marriage is something that Sandy never had, Drake. How you a winner, but she keep coming in last place. Monkey suit, Dennis, you parade him. A Steve Harvey suit, nigga made him. Confused, always felt you weren't black enough. Afraid to grow it cause you're froze. Why is Pusha T doing this? Because this is a long-standing feud that goes back all the way to 2000 to to, to 2006, Jesus. pretty much. And it's this crazy thing where it's gone back and forth between Drake, Pusha T, other people, and it's this crazy thing that that that's amazing uh, to see. Um, this is this is this is directly. I'm doing this from the thing. Uh, Pusha's Adion is a response to Drake's recent relatively sweet-tempered diss, Duppy Freestyle, which itself is a response to the recent Pusha track, Infrared, which is a response to the 2007 Drake track, Two Birds One Stone, which is a response to 2006's HDTV from Pusha, which is a response to Drake's 2013 Tuscan Leather, which is a response to Pusha's 2012 track Exodus 23-1, which extended a feud that dates back to the mid-aughts. So we've had like five different songs back and forth. (laughs) I had no idea about this going on, but this is where we've ended up. Basically, basically, to put it in really like simple terms, Drake and Pusha are from two different like producing companies, two different crews. Pusha has always had it out for this other one that Drake's a part of because Lil Wayne's also a part of it. And Lil Wayne apparently claimed that he was wearing clothing, street fashion, before Pusha T. And Pusha T says, no, I was wearing that first. That's where it comes from. That's what it's all about. So after all these things, they've taken shots at each other. <laughs> and basically Drake and him have gone back and forth just over this thing that started. It's this amazing story. It's like the battle of the That's bucket. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, it also features Drake and Blackface, which is a crazy thing in and of itself. But Drake took these pictures from a long time ago, back when he was in Degrassi High. And it's like this artistic take on what it means to be black and playing like a stereotyped uh image but pushes using it as like kind of like shock value basically mm-hmm. of saying like this guy's like mm-hmm. basically a blackface basically jim crow because he's he's biracial mm-hmm. um so anyways it's this incre- incredible crazy story that i'm actually it's 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 worth reading the entire thing because it goes in these just weird bizarre bizarre things and in a way very humorous because it all Mm -hmm. comes down to this to me very Uh simple very stupid um thing for it so um 
uh, as as this article says, um, all that really matters in the end is that this is truly excellent beef. So I I agree with this. Is this, this is great idea. And you and you like the song? I like the song. I think the song That's, is pretty good. There you go. I think I think it's top. I think it's a worthwhile music too because mm. it's like it's actually pretty questionable about like fatherhood and yeah. identity and things like that so sure totally. you know what if that's yeah. what comes out of it then that's cool go for it anyways weird weird thing i feel like there's been a lot of downers this yeah. is kind of a downer but not really it's I a funny like it's a funny one it's so. a funny downer. anyways uh i just thought i'd share that with you guys check it out i'll put the put the article link the links in the whatever in, in the footnote in the end notes and uh yeah yeah check it out because it's 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 a really funny story mm. to me um I think you might find it that way too. Anyways. Yeah. Cool. Well, from all of us here at the studio, uh, good night and God bless America. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs>what we'd call vulgar music so the idea that people would have sheet music or even like music that you would listen to well that's vulgar right there sheet music listen listen, sheety music (laughs) listening to music at home is a extremely modern invention like the idea that you could like listen in the privacy of your home or at least in your spare time it only required either a private band which is just fucking gauche like that's ridiculous why would you have a private band ready to play or you'd have a fancy new gramophone, which, you know, was a bit of a status symbol. So prior to that, you, you couldn't really listen to music, except if it was live or in public, which, unless you had some, like, private party. So music was then the sort of weird state where, like, you had simple chansons and, like, simple smaller songs, and then, like, the, the big boy pieces, like, Mozart, like you know, the, the stuff that you'd go and listen to. 
and you they could it was this really big that's plastic. why it's that's why it's like an hour long because yeah. you might as well get, get your yeah. money out of yeah. it because this is like the only time <laughs> yeah. you're ever going to hear music yeah and every, that's why it's like yeah. so yeah everybody yeah. sung too that's another thing and it, everybody would be singing something or whistling something or just you know humans like music and we we make it where we can um, it's estimated, I can't remember who said it, but it's estimated that something like 95% of all music is lost, um, maybe even higher, because who writes down all the stuff that they that they play? Uh. Um, and just thinking of all the civilizations that have come and gone, and we don't yeah. have, like, even medieval music, which That's is relatively close, like even Baroque music, which is even closer still we don't know the full notation some songs are lost uh-huh. I was listening to the song recently it's Baroque yeah, it's Baroque yeah, exactly listen to this song recently um, they only have one line survived only one verse survived so when they play when they recreated it they just sing that verse four times over because they don't know what else they would sing and that line <laughs> I like big butts um, it's actually somewhat similar it's um, uh, Mary while the summer lasts uh, enjoy your drink while you can. Uh, enjoy your food while you can. Uh, it's basically like throw down now because it's going to get shittier later. Uh, um, anyway, so that's a bit of an aside. Back to this top 100. I'm probably going to. I'm probably going to put that in the ends. Hi guys, <laughs> welcome to the show. It's the 22nd podcast. No, 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 you don't do that. I mean, you have to restart everything. Hi guys, welcome to the show. It's a 22nd podcast. Definitely not. Wait, I had a bit of noise there. Hi guys, welcome to the start of our show. 22nd podcast. Uh, really excited to be here back in the studio. I'm all lubed up, ready to go. Jacob's got a hot new take for us. We are... All right. Okay. Yeah, sure. Reset. Sure. Yeah. Well, then, no. So. <laughs> so, I, I, I couldn't find any top 100 lists from when you were originally born, which right. was in the 1880s. Right. Uh-huh. So, okay. I started off with 1990, which is what you claim is your birthday, it's but true. like... Oh, whatever. And uh, flash forward to your your first birthday. You got you got that one cupcake with the one single. Uh, that's like something. That's weirdly something you get when you're very young and very yeah. old. Your cupcake. Yeah, like so, like cakes. Like the perfect cake ratio is like when you're a teenager. <laughs> but then once you get to like once you're like eighty, you're gonna you get a cake. With, you're gonna yeah. get a cake with one candle. Oh, oh, you mean you like that. Saying, so you get you get a cake with one candle when you're dead, and you get yeah. a cake with one candle when you're born, and instead of the the, the goalposts of your life, the goalposts <laughs> of your life, as as is our motto here, everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, oh. Jake has been hitting the wine a bit too uh. much tonight. Well, um, remember, we, remember when we said we'd be focused? And control. When did we ever say? I said that. that. Remember when I said that we would be when focused? Did you, like right now? No, like four podcasts ago. I'm like, I'm gonna turn a new leaf and be more mindful. Of course you weren't. You were never remember gonna. That, that was remember never gonna that, happen. Those to days. Those. Remember how you got angry at me when I was like, "Hey, yeah, that's funny." When I laughed at you. This is what always happens. I'm sorry to say, like I told you so, but this is what I. Always this is what I always end up doing. I just don't want to hear right away, Jacob. I like to maintain the illusion for like a little bit, you know? But then like you have to, you go through this thing of being like, oh, I'm going to discover it again. It's going to be funny. It's like, well, yeah, it's not funny for somebody who's known it the whole entire time. It's just like, no, da-doy. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, 